Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom convo. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. I'm Mike Vardy. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because Crash Plan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash timecrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? It's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com. 
prolonlife.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout, oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. This week on the show, it is me talking to longtime productivity friend, uh, Charlie Gilkey. He is the founder of Productive Flourishing. He's got a lot going on. Him and I have such a great time when we hang out together. We met uh, a long time ago at the World Domination Summit. I've kind of kept tabs on each other ever since. We're doing some stuff together uh, more and more as, as as things move on because we you know we had a chance to to do some stuff while we were in Austin at a speaking engagement together. We look like we're going to do something in Florida. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be out there a little bit, so uh, you might want to check out what we're doing there, and I'll make sure that I link to that in the show notes as well. But we talk about a lot of things. We talk about project work. We talk about 
a lot of Charlie's philosophies and how him and I align in a lot of ways during this discussion. So, uh, and we also have some bonus stuff for the Patreon supporters. So again, if you're a Patreon listener, then uh, you're going to get another bonus episode of content this week where Charlie and I talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, let's just get into this now because we got a lot to cover and a lot of ground to cover in this episode. So here is my conversation with Charlie Gilkey, my friend on the Productivities Podcast. You know, it's been over 100, almost 150 episodes, and I've yet to have you on the show. And I'm glad that I have you on the show now, Charlie Gilkey. I appreciate it. It's, you know, it's one of those things where um, I'm like, man, I got to talk to Mike. And then, you know, we intend to do it and then we don't do it, which is really funny because we're both productivity guys, right? Well, and, <laughs> and the thing is, is that we've seen each other a number of times. And, it, you know, it, it, I actually t- uh, talked about this with some, uh, a friend of mine in Vancouver not too long ago. We were both in Vancouver Airport, both, you know, well-known in social media circles and stuff. And, you know, the expectation is take the picture of us, you know, being in the airport, chatting with each other. And we both kind of like, nah. And I think that's what you and I are like when we're like in the same, I mean, I've had the opportunity many times to say, Hey, Charlie, let's get together and chat. And it's just like, nah, well, let's just be present and in the moment and just not do that stuff and, and set aside the time to do something like this later. Cause we've, we've seen each other while well, we were, we saw each other in Austin for the first edition to think better, live better. We've seen each other at the world domination summit every single year. Um, you know, and then we're going to see each other again at the next installment of, of, of think better, live better, which is coming up in, uh, in Florida. So, um, let's get this out of the way and then we can actually just enjoy and chat. Cause we could go on and on and on about this stuff. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it that one of the, I think for me on my side, Mike, part of it is like, well, like it's, it's hard for us to form a for real agenda. Cause we know we're just going to get together and, and talk about stuff. That's and so true. it's like, well, what specifically are we going to talk about? Like we have to have a specific reason. We all, right? You know, we almost should do at some point is just do like a, um, at South by Southwest a, a few years ago, Dave, there was a British journalism from BBC named David Allen and he interviewed David Allen on the stage and it was just a conversation. You and I, at some point should just do like a stage show where it's just the two of us sitting in like like lounge chairs and just a conversation with Charlie and Mike. And it, it, we could talk for like two hours about this I'm game. Stuff. I'm game. Let's do it. Well, I thought we were doing that today. I mean, it, it's kind of <laughs> like what we did at, um, at Think Better, Live Better. It's like we, we had sort of that after sort of thing. Yep. Where I was like, you know. Yeah, um, I think we should do something like that. But let's, let's, let's talk about the start of the year for most people. Um, which has just happened if you're listening to this uh, when this episode is published. Now, all my uh, listeners, my regular listeners know that I don't start my year in January. You do, you, do you prescribe to that? Like, do you subscribe to that, you know, whole, like, let's start in January thing? I don't think you totally do, but I, I know I, I recognize that it exists and that it's a thing. So um, I believe in running starts. And mm-hmm. I, I think January, a lot of time is the time that we actually like get the engines going. But honestly, like I think Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day is a way better day to start the year um, when you when you look at productivity, because what we do, what a lot of people do is, you know, we get to the end of the year, and we make these really ambitious, um, wide sweeping plans and we're going to conquer the world this year. Um, and then we look at our to do list, you know, or we look at what we've gotten done over January. And it looks basically the same as every other month in the year prior, yep. right? Yep. Um, and, and you know, I'm not saying that's a bad way. I'm saying that's just part of that energy. That's part of that hope. And, you know, February is a really great time to say, you know what? Okay. Some of these things just aren't going to make it. And um, it's, it's one of those things where it sounds like, you know, we could be on Dr. Phil saying this, but if you want different results, you have to do different things, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to just keep getting what you're getting. And I think 
February is that really great time to not say what, how am I going to change my goals, but fundamentally, how am I going to change my behavior? Right, right. And, you know, I mean, when I wrote the front nine a few years ago, February was my start date. I now start in September to align with the kids start of the school year, which, again, makes sense. But February for me, it's still a landmark date because it's the middle of the year. It's kind of like my reset. Right. So but yeah. but January for me is is the reflection, you know, review recharge month. Is it like that for you? Um, in well, some ways, see, hmm. the thing about it is, um, cause my wife and I have been on academic schedules for so long, um, our operational year for our business actually starts in August. Right. So right? Say, ours starts in September. So around the same time. Yeah. Around the same time, because we look at where our energy is. And for me, um, when I look at where my energy is throughout the year, um, June and July are energetically, um, where most people are in November and December. Whereas in November and December, I historically am actually getting a lot of really good creative energy and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, it's reversed in that way. But it's one of those things to where I do take that time to say where, you know, where where am I? Where are we going to go? So on and so forth. And we run our business in quarters. Right. And so it's more so than the beginning of the year. It's actually the refresh of a quarter. Um, and so that's where a lot of that will come from. You know, we never really talked about your origins in productivity, what got you into it. I mean, I know you've been in the space for, you know, as long as I've been easily. What got you into it? Because, again, you know, it's not when when people ask me that question, they, they often go, it's not really a conventional thing that you would you know. Why? Why productivity? Why? How did you get into it? I got into it because um, so so here's what I've observed about a lot of productivity geeks like us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um you don't get into it necessarily because you just love it, right? You get into it because you have to, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a cause and effect kind of thing. Uh, it's a cause and effect kind of thing. So um, I've always, you know, been a, a fairly driven guy. I wouldn't say I'm ambitious in the sense of having – but I'm always doing something. I'm a, and I've all, I'm also a polymath, right? So I'm always um, – we, we now call those multi-potentialite um, yep. due to – but I've, I've always been that sort of guy. And so it reached this critical point in the mid-2000s. Where, you know, I was simultaneously pursuing my um, career in the army. I was um, completing my PhD in philosophy. I just recently bought a home. I was trying to be a decent husband. And it came to this point where it's like, how the hell do I maintain two careers and um, be a good husband and be a good friend and be a good member of my community, so on and so forth, right? And so – like any good, you know, uh, millennial will do. I started a blog about it, right? Because that seemed to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, though, I ended up. A lot of people had come to me and asked, like, "How are you doing all this, Charlie? I don't understand um, how you're able to do this." And even like when I was in college, Mike, I would take 21 to 24 hours a semester, and I had a job in the writing center, right? Um, yeah. And and so it's just one of those things where people were always coming to me with how. But in in that particular scenario. What really struck me, Mike, is I was an army logistics officer and I just recently deployed and came back home. And while I was overseas, I'd managed to like move really big battalions around and a bunch of equipment and stuff, right? And just these really things. And I was 24 at the time. Um, but then I came home and, you know, these five, 6,000 word academic papers were kicking my tail, man. I was like, how is it that I'm able to do all of this really complex logistics stuff? Um, but these, what seems to be fairly straightforward, like you do some research, you make your table, account, or you make your, you know, you make your reading list and you write the paper. Like why, why is it that that was getting me? 
And what I realized, Mike, is that so many of the tools and frameworks and insights that we had gotten from, for lack of better words, the practical, pragmatic world, were not really being applied to creative knowledge work. Um, and as an academic, there was no conversation about productivity. No conversation about productivity. Mm. I mean, we all kind of complained about it, but it was not really like, here's what we're doing, like here are some tips, so on and so forth. So productive flourishing did not start as productive flourishing. It started with two other really bad names and really bad audiences, right? Um, because I was like, okay, I'm an academic. That's how I saw myself at the time. I still, in many ways, um, am, am of that vein. Um, but I said, you know what? I don't give a damn if no one's talking about this. We need to talk about it. I'm going to start a blog about it. Don't do that, by the way. Um, <laughs> if people fundamentally are not talking about it offline, um, the odds of them going online to find out about it are not good. Right? Well, and, and the thing is, you were early in that phase, too. Like, we both started talking about productivity when it was just in the beginning phase. Like, Inc.com and Fastco and all those guys weren't writing about it back then. Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, I kind of look at myself as either the second or maybe third wave of productivity bloggers, right? We're, so, we're, we're probably the second wave because like guys like Merlin Mann and those guys were first. Yeah. And then I think we kind of fall. Leo, Leo, Pro, Leo would have been first. Leo Babata would have been, you know, in there. And then I think we were just maybe 1.5 or 2.0. I guess. Yeah. And so, and so it really depends on, on where you mark these. But you're yeah. right. We are absolutely early and we were um, – Early in the sense that, so, I mean, if you, if you wanted to look at sort of the personal productivity history, like, I mean, it really, um, when people talk about David Allen getting things done, I love David's work, I appreciate what he's done. And the, the reason why it became as successful as it did in the blogosphere and everything like that is because it got picked up by the geeks and the hackers mm. earlier on, and especially Merlin Mann, like being an evangelist, and there weren't that many people talking about productivity at that time. No, it, it's funny. I had somebody um, – when I when I told people I've left GTD behind, that was a couple years ago, I had people saying to me, well, what, you know, you've got your own methodology when you're putting it out there. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a book and course and all that stuff. They're like, well, David gives it away for free. Like it's available readily. I'm like, hold on a second. It was not readily available for free when – I mean he wrote a book about it and then the internet came along and caught up to that and now it's out there because he did have those evangelists talking about it. So it's it's interesting because, yeah, you're right. It's kind of happened in stages, right? Yeah, it's happened in stages. And so when people come to me now and they're like, I'm thinking of starting a productivity blog, right? I, I, I try to tell them what it's like, look, I'm not trying to limit competition. I'm not trying to tell you that you shouldn't. Um, I'm just going to tell you it's a lot harder than it used to be. Mm -hmm. it's, right? it, it's, you know, Merlin, speaking of Merlin, he has this great talk he did at South by Southwest with John Gruber. And one of the things he talks about is if you're going to start a blog, like a Star Wars blog, he gets into this. He goes, don't write about Star Wars. Don't even write about, like, say, Jawas. Write about that one Jawa. Like, you know, get really good at that one Jawa, and that's how you'll stand out. And that's kind of what's happened with, with the productivity space for sure. Yeah, I mean, so I'm working on a book too, right? And it, it's one of those things to where uh, my um, my agent and the editors have a very valid question. Like with all the productivity books out there and all the stuff written about productivity, what are you writing about that's unique? Right? What What's unique about this? Because if it's just the same stuff rehashed, um, people don't want that. Like why – I mean – I, now, granted, I'm given our industry, we probably have more books on our shelf about productivity, <laughs> right? Than than yep. the average bear, yep. right? I'm looking at them. Uh, I'm looking at them right now, actually. <laughs> likewise, um, and I'm not trying to say that we're better than it's just it's our body of work, right? Um, but it's a very valid question. If you walk down Barnes and Noble, 
and you look at the list and you've got, you know, start with why you've got the one thing, you've got the seven habits, you've got do more great work, you've got, you know, um, getting things done, you've got, you know, all those different books, you really do have to ask yourself what's different about the way that you're doing this, right? Um, and so that's what I will pose to new people who want to step into this is like, you know, at a certain point, now th this is the difference between being the subject matter expert and being the business strategist, right? Mm -hmm. So I tell them in the beginning, find something, like you said, that one Ewok, right? As your business grows, you can expand to cover more topics yeah. because people will listen to you because of your track record. Um, but at the same time, if you, if you come in and you start talking about night owl productivity, well, you know, rightly so in this, in this age, people might be like, well, you know, kind of Mike Verdi's kind of doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, like, but I don't know. That's the weird thing. There, there's so many voices out there and we'll never be able to reach a 1% of the population. No. And that's the reason why it's, you know, why I'm not discouraged uh, or I don't think any really anyone who's been doing this for a while and anyone who wants to get it, don't be discouraged if you're like, OK, I'm you know, it, it takes a while to build it up. And once you find your audience, then that's pretty. I mean, what's the Kevin Kelly, the thousand true fans, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Now, I want to talk a little bit about um, falling down, because this is the time of year where people have picked their resolutions uh, or picked their goals and they've fallen down. I want to talk about a little bit that we we touched on this before we record started recording. Um, but I haven't really talked about this too much. I've written about it in my newsletter, and there's a blog post. But uh, my my book deal that I had, I was writing a book uh, about uh, a dummies book, uh, and it, uh, it the deal was killed. And I essentially killed it by not delivering in a way that it, we we mutually agreed upon. Um, to be fair, uh, I you know it was one of those things, and, and it's interesting. Um, you know, the whole idea of like saying no is saying yes to other things. I said yes to the wrong thing when it came to this book. Uh, it was uh, the the timeline was really tight um, and I was trying to fill all of these buckets of things. Mm -hmm. um, and this this is why when I read your project cage match uh, post, it was like, yeah, because I gave up the book deal and uh, and I felt well, number one, I'm like, okay, well, that that publisher is never going to come back. But that was the first thing that I thought. But the second thing was, like, my shoulders felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders, and it was like the part of my my brain went, "Crap, I should have just said no from the beginning." But I didn't, and now there'll be a, a, a greater consequence to pay. I want to help people, and I know you do, avoid that kind of pain. What? What can people do when they see some kind of opportunity like that come along and they've got these other projects? How do they, you know, how do they decide what wins that battle? What wins that cage match? Yeah. So I think um, I'm going to start in, in perhaps an unusual place. Sure. Um, I want to start with self-compassion. Right. Um, and the reason I want to start there is most people that I know, especially creative people, um, at any given point, you're already overcommitted. I've never seen an undercommitted creative person that's out there doing stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the thing about – and the reason I want to start there is um, I, I think that's the place where you'll start and that's the place where you'll have to end. Um, because when you start thinking about these new projects, Mike, what happens is we often don't look at these new projects in the context of everything else we're already doing. Exactly. Right? We, we sort of pretend that like, okay, I've got this new book deal coming in and – um, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to do it. But we don't sit back and say, wait a second, wait, wait hold, hold the hell up. 
if I am struggling to do what I've already committed to today, how the hell am I going to be able to do this new bigger thing in the future? Um, because there are some big projects like this, and trust me, I am writing the book. I work with a lot of authors. Like it's not, especially the traditional and published route. Mm-hmm. It's not like this new little project you're just adding on. It's this major chunk of your year. Like I, I tell people, it's a three-year commitment. Consider it. It's like a three-year commitment to get this done. By the time you write it and you go through the negotiations and then it sits and then you go through the promotion and then you go through everything else. Three years, man. Um, if how are you going to make how are you going to basically make a lifestyle or or work style change to fit that in there? And if you can't answer that question, um, you know, I would really question whether um, a, a book is actually possible for you or whether a big project like that is actually possible for you. Um, and it's OK, absolutely OK for you to say, you know what, this is something that I want to do, but I need to spend six months reworking my life or reworking my schedule to be able to do something like this. Um, so that's that's really the first thing. And, but that's where I started with that self-compassion, because the first thing people are going to want to think, because, I mean, we're driven in some ways. The first thing they're going to want to think is like, but but I should be doing this and I'm capable of doing this and I should say yes. And there's all this sort of should like stop shooting on yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think should is one of the most unhelpful words in our mental dialogues. Anytime you see a should, please pause. And, and convert that into something like anytime you see a should or ought, right? Because yep. when you say a should, um, and sometimes it's either external pressure that's not helpful or it's internal pressure that's not helpful. What you're really trying to say to achieve this goal, this is the best pathway or this, you know, now that gets you talking about two different things that are up for grabs, right? The goal and the pathway, the goal and the pathway. And you might decide at a certain point that like this goal that I'm going after is actually not realistic, or maybe it's not meaningful, maybe it's not matterful, or maybe it just should not displace other things. So that's the second piece I want to talk about on this. Displacement is a real thing. It's like when you get in the bathtub and water you know, floats up, um, anything that you commit to displaces a bunch of other stuff, right? Um, every time you say yes, you've said no to a near or to a practical infinity of things. Um, and so the whole thing with the Project Cage Match is, you know, um, it's basically, and I have to explain it a little bit, um, it's, 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 um, a, it's a scheme in um, American pro wrestling, I think it's actually global wrestling, but I just know it from American, where like basically the strongest competitor wins. You get put in a cage and then the last competitor is, is the one that wins. Well, in a lot of ways, you, you have to get real about the fact that there are some things that are always going to win some values and priorities that are always going to win. Um, and I think the, the, the process of working through a project cage match is listing all the things you want to do and saying, okay, which one of these are going to go pretty quickly? Which of these are the weak, have the weakest amount of strength? Um, you can work your way up and inevitably, Mike, every time I do this exercise with people, there are always a couple of hangers on that like as soon as you start the cage match, they don't even get in the cage and they're just like, nope, I'm out. Right. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. We have these things that we commit to that really like when we sit down and put them in the context of everything else, we know they're not going to get done. Right. Um, and so the cage match allows you to get rid of that. Um, and it also it mostly is an exercise that when you dig a little deeper reveals what your true values and priorities are. 
And that is gold. That's where the gold happens, Mike, right? Because if you realize that, wait a second, um, I want to do, say, a book, um, but I also want to do speaking. And I also, you know, my kids are going through this particular stage in life and I want to be there. And no matter what happens, you're going to be there for your kids. You haven't necessarily said, I'm not, I mean, you have said, I'm not going to do these things. But what you have said in a positive way is these are the things that matter to me. And these are the things that I am going to prioritize and get done. Because I come from the sort of Gandhi school of action expresses priority. Um, Action expresses priority. And I I think so many people, when we look at our to-do list, when we look at our resolutions, we confuse priorities with aspirations. We confuse priorities with aspirations. Priorities are the things you're going to do. Aspirations are the things that you're going to tell yourself you're going to do, but probably not going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of the uh, stop shooting on yourself because when we talk about the now your method, the ought comes in. Like I said, you know, the, that's the part we get stuck on. You know, we have the things we need to do. Uh, then we have the things that we want to do. But then the middle is the part, the ought. What about the middle part of a project? I know you're big on project stuff. You know, one of the things you've talked about at different talks that we've been at is the finishing, right? Like everyone talks about the start. You know, get started, do this, start, start, start. But the finish is, is the tricky part. Um, what about the middle? Because you know, I know you talk about the finish, but what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the middle part? Because that's where momentum, I think, can get lost or when, or when you have the, uh, the weakness. And, uh, weakness is probably not the right word, but I'll use it anyway, where, where you're more susceptible to taking on another project or another goal or another thing. Because the, the, you know, the, the allure or the, the high of the start is no longer there. Yeah. So, I mean, for a lot of people, the middle is where the thrashing happens the most. Yeah. Right. And so thrashing, I use it, you know, just to be, and, and we've all sort of know what thrashing is, but I'm just going to do the, the definitional thing. It's that, um, pro- it's, it's those processes and activities that you do that are either meta work or there are a lot of the emotional flailing that's around the work, but it's actually not the work itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, you, you will wear yourself out thrashing, but not actually look at the do li- to do list and see that you've gotten anything done. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the impetus of the start is no longer there. The fun of the start is no longer there. And one of the reasons I think we get into this messy middle when we start thrashing is our plans are so far different from where reality is. Um, that, you know, our self-talk around our ability to anticipate what's going to happen, so on and so forth comes in. Um, and so that's, that's defeating. The second one is, um, things always take longer than you think they're going to take. Um, and I think that's where we get, it catches up with you. Like, you know, I've been working on this three months. I should be done for now. Well, you've been working on it three months. Here you are, right? That's, that's just the fact of the matter is again, because a lot of times we plan projects in in separation from everything else we're doing. And so we're like, oh yeah, this, this plan will take, you know, three months. Well, if that was the only thing you were working on, perhaps, right. If that was the one thing you were going to focus your life on for the next three months, then yeah, you'd probably be on schedule. But the fact of the matter is you're squeezing something in time you don't have, right. It's not going to take three months. It's going to take six months because you're trying to do that. So that comes in. And I think fundamentally, um, where people get stuck is in this middle is, um, we get stuck 
and we stop reaching out to the success pack or our yaysayers, right? Because I think what ha- what I've seen happen a lot of bike and 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 I'm open to hear. Or I'd love to hear what you think about this. When we get stuck in that middle, I think we don't have anything to show for it that we are really happy about. But we don't want to go to the people around us and be like, "So I'm stuck, right? Um, I don't know what to do at this point." Um, we want to show them something. You know, if we want to be like. I've done this and here's what you can see. But in the middle, you really haven't. Or it's inchoate or it's rough and you know it and you're embarrassed and you're scared. It's just not at a at a point in which we think others that we, we that we think it's ready for public consumption. And you get to that point to where um you you don't know how to go forward. It's starting to get self-defeating, and you don't want to reach out to people. And at that point, that's where I, I say it this way. Beware, beware the siren call of an easier project, right? Because it's like, ah, this isn't working. This is, and, and I'll pause here. Um, that we could probably rant a whole hour about this. But somewhere <laughs> along the way, Mike, we picked up this idea that if it's hard, it's the wrong thing, mm-hmm. right? Like if it, if, it require, if it makes us uncomfortable or if it, impl- if it pulls up cognitive discipline, dissonance or if it makes us question our abilities, it's the wrong thing because the right things are easy. Right. Um, the things that you should be doing at some point, if it matters to you, you are going to have to dig in and push it forward. Um, and so we use that that messy middle, that hard thrashing point as a as some sort of psychic clue that we are doing the wrong thing. And then we jump to something else. Right. And the thing about it is, once we get into the middle of that project, we're going to be in the same place. Right. You know, it's it's fascinating because I fall prey to this too. I don't know if you do. I'd love to hear if you do. But the idea of if you've got more on your plate, and it's I think it's just the allure of of um, you know I have so many things going on, and if I do, then I am accomplishing a lot. And which is it's not even the busy factor. It's the well, look at all these different moving parts and. Uh, if I focus on these moving parts as opposed to letting go of something, and one of the things that that I actually want to touch on really quickly is Casey Neistat. You know who he is, right? Casey Neistat. I, yeah, I don't actually. Okay, so Casey Neistat, um, and I think you'd find his one uh, video. He used to do, he, he used to do a daily v- vlog, and and the thing is, is that used to is because you know um, he ended that in November uh, of 2016. After doing it for over a year, a daily vlog, and it was really well done. And one of the videos I really enjoyed was his called Fat and Lazy, where he broke down how he, you know, worked his day, which I know you would appreciate. Um, but he, he, it was so popular. He made, you know, he, he started it to actually break out of a, to see if he could do something with it creatively. And then he quit because he wanted to see if he could do something else creatively. And, you know, to let go of that, to let go of this thing that has been such an integral part of his life for the past year, I guess for, for over a year and a half, almost you could, you were closing in on two years, is such a – it's one of those things where people will say, why would you do that? And the other half of the population will go, well, good for you. Good to move on. What, have you – I mean, one of the things that I've, I've been looking at, and you know, by the time this is aired, there will be some things that I'll have to let go of. Um, how have you struggled with letting go of certain? What's the thing you've struggled with the most of letting go, letting go of, and yet did it, and you felt, wow, okay, I'm so glad that I did. Um, hmm. 
I do have a trouble. I do have problems letting go of things. Mm. Um, so, um, I tend to be, I'm, I'm pretty brutal about things in the sense where I know that the longer I do something, the more, um, inertia that it has. And so, mm-hmm. um, what I'll do is we do at least quarterly, like we look at everything we're doing. And so for instance, we look at the podcast, right? Um, do we want to keep doing the podcast? Is it still hot? Is it still serving our end? So on and so forth. Um, we've been doing it, I think almost two years now. Um, maybe a year. I don't know. It's, you know how things go yep. like that, right? Like, yep. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you do the number math. You're like, okay, 132 divided by, oh yeah. Like a year and eight months. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, we started it some November. I think it was not Nat last November. So maybe there you go. Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, I look at it and say, is this still serving a purpose? Because I think, um, if we, if we take a higher perspective of it, when we start making our plans and goals, um, we make those plans and goals from the perspective of the seen world that's, that we're aware of. But the seen world, our seen world, is always infinitely smaller than the full world, mm-hmm. right? It's always infinitely smaller than the full world. And as you start doing things, you start seeing more and more of this full world. Um, and the trick is always to update your awareness and update your goals and plans to reflect the reality that, is act- that you can see and that's in front of you. And what, what that mean by that, some, a lot of times, most times, we start things way smaller than, we, than they could be, um, or we don't choose an option um, that will grow bigger because we don't think we can do it, right? Right. And so um, I'm always looking at what we're doing. It's like, you know, should we change the way we're doing our blog? Should we change our newsletter? Should I start this? Like, and it could be annoying for, for my team. Cause it's like every quarter, but I, I do that because I know if I've been doing something for two years, it's way harder to kill it than if I've been doing something for six months and just trying it out. The other thing that I would say on this one though, and this is the, the thing that I, that I have to bake into my own sort of productivity OS is everything is a project. Everything is a project. Projects have beginnings, middles, and ends. Right. And sometimes those ends are just arbitrary. And I know that sounds funny, right? Because we think that that you have something, but but like this video blog series, like he could have done that forever. Right. Yep. He could have done it forever. But I I mean I meant I'm I'm guessing that he looked up and said, Is this something that still has the magic and joy and is taking me where I want to go? Hmm. Um, and if you answer no to that, then the very best thing that you could do is stop doing it, right? Not to keep doing it. Um, and just wrap it up like that was an interesting project. And I learned this from my mentor, um, Seth Godin, I should say mentor from afar, Seth Godin, mm-hmm. um, in the sense where he stopped, um, the Domino project books, yep. right now there are a lot of, you know, other reasons why he stopped it, but he had a really successful run with these books, right. And, and opened up a lot of space. And at the same time, you just said, Nope, we're done. That was a project moving on. Um, and you know, at the time I was like, Wow. Um, as I learned more about, you know, the, you know, stuff around, I was like, okay, I can see why that would happen. But at the same time, he could have kept doing it, could have kept doing it. Um, I, I think this, this is going to be pseudo metaphysical, pseudo pseudo philosophical, but we have to recognize that we are fundamentally different people today than we were two years ago, um, or five years ago. And if we were to go back five years ago, um, if we're doing our best work in the world, we're really pushing our growth edges. You're never going to be able to see where you're going to be in five or 10 years. 
So we need to assume that if we go back five years ago and would not be able to predict where we are today, we also need to say, I'm not able today to predict where I'm going to be in five or 10 years. So the goal is then not to keep pursuing this plan or straitjacket or this goal, but to really keep updating yourself and saying, who am I today? What, what matters today? And nothing may have changed, right? Your values and priorities may stay the same, right? Um, but, you know, um, in the case of bloggers, you, you reach a point where it's like, I don't know that I want to do the blog anymore. Or I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to be on, a, on an editorial schedule anymore. I'm just going to write when, whenever the hell I feel like it. Okay, that's a valid option, right? You don't have to do it that way over and over again. And I think that's the, the, the balance or the tension here is on the one hand, committing to long-term goals and seeing them through. And on the other hand, being able to see that some goal or plan that you made in the past was either too small or out of alignment and letting go of it. And I don't have any really good like seven-step processes for how to handle that. I'm just saying be aware of that and be hyper-conscious of the fact that you know if you're starting to really resist something, if you're starting to really not like it, if the joy in it is gone, um, you got to reconnect with that, um, with, with whatever you started and or make a conscious decision about it. Because otherwise, you're going to um, seek a sustainable mediocrity, right? Because you're not going to quit, but you're not going to succeed at the same time. You're just going to kind of hang on to it. And that sustainable mediocrity is going to keep you from the higher level success and something that matters most to you right now. As you said, Charlie, we could go on and on <laughs> about this stuff because you and I are we geek out about this stuff all the time. And uh, we'll, I'll, you know what? Uh, we'll have to do something together. Down, we've been. You talking know what? We're going to schedule this one. We're going to schedule another podcast episode after this one. How yeah. about that, Mike? Yeah, we should definitely do that, uh, Charlie. Where can people find you and your uh, and your work online? So um, the best place to find me is ProductiveFlourishing.com. That's where we share a lot of these tips on productivity and strategy execution and um, tools to help you go from idea to done. Um, that's the best place to find it. Awesome. Thanks for joining me, Charlie. Thanks for having me, Mike. There was a lot more that Charlie and I talked about. Uh, it was a, a great conversation. We went on for almost an hour, started talking about planning things like that, like bigger-term planning, longer-term planning. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you're going to get that as a bonus episode. Can't tell you when, because we do schedule these in a, in a little bit of an interesting order, but there will be a bonus episode with Charlie. Uh, so be sure to catch that when it comes out. But if you are not a Patreon supporter and you want to hear that, now is the time you can rectify that. Go to patreon.com slash productivityist. Learn how you can become a supporter of the show for as little as a dollar a month. And Every single cent goes to making the show better and supports the show. Uh, so uh, whether it's to going to my producer, John Polstra, who does a lot of great work behind the scenes, whether it's putting together show notes, which we've leveled up in recent months, all that stuff. So Patreon supporters have a direct impact on making the show better. So again, head to patreon.com slash productivityist. If you want to hear more of Charlie and you want to hear more just in general, because uh, there's a lot of bonus content and perks that come along with becoming a Patreon supporter of the show. Now, if you want to support the show in another way, you can also leave a rating or review in iTunes or your podcast listening platform of choice. Stitcher does it as well, because that way we can hear what you're saying and make the show better. Big thanks to Charlie for joining me this week. 
Big thanks to John Polster for producing the show. And big thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks so much. And until next time, this is Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast and the founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.